0: presenting the ongoing series, HR Tech Now. Tune in as we talk with those who care about human resources technology today. And here we go, five, four, three, two. Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Ryan Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey everybody, welcome to HR Latte. This is Ann Thorne, your host. I'm very excited to have HR Latte now housed over on the Entrepent Now media platform part of the Intrepid HR family. And I'm very excited to introduce you to a fabulous guest, Mr. John Sumser, and some circles he's known as the John Sumser. I would like to welcome you, John, to the show. Thanks for coming on HR Latte.
1: Thanks so much, Ryan. And before we do anything... Tell me more about Intrepid HR and the Intrepid HR family. I don't think I knew there was such a thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, Intrepid Now is a media platform. You can go to IntrepidNow.com to learn everything you need to know. We are calling it the Netflix for business, meaning you can actually just type in any old topic that you want in the search bar and have a podcast or a blog post pop up and view or listen at your pleasure. Ah. And we just launched Intrepid HR at HR Tech a few weeks back and so we're kicking it off by having HR Latte be have a permanent home now on Intrepid Now.
1: That's great. So what's the purpose of of Intrepid HR?
0: Intrepid HR is basically to just share information all things HR whether it's HR technology, whether it's talent management, whether it's uh, new types of employment branding or employee engagement and and I will be continuing to develop series This show, John, that we're going to be doing here is going to be HR Tech Now. And I'm also launching a new series called Today's Employer Branding into Tomorrow's Employee Engagement. There's going to be some great information shared on Intrepid HR that has a great deal of impact on the HR community.
1: Fantastic. What a great thing, man. You are always up to something.
0: Trying, trying, yes. (laughs) Well, I have great partners over at Intrepid now, and and we just decided it was time to, we had a business channel, and we have a lifestyle channel, healthcare channel, incubator, and tech channel, so it's time to have an HR channel.
1: Cool. Well, I'm glad to be part of your experiment. (laughs)
0: Well, Let's hope it's more than an experiment, John. (laughs) But I want to welcome to you to HR Latte, and if you could, Why don't you give us a quick intro of yourself, tell us a little bit about your role at HR Examiner and how you serve your market.
1: So my name is John Sumser, that's S-U-M-S-E-R, and you can reach me at john at johnsumser.com. I run an operation called the HR Examiner, which is a media portal that features a lot of podcasts and forward thinking about HR. It's like Intrepid HR for people who are thinking about a big picture. Maybe that's a good way to say it. And so what we do is a wide variety of research that ranges from the Research of our editorial advisory board focused on the edges of HR practice to quantitative research into things. We're we're currently in the middle of a report about the ultimate data set inside of HR. And that's the idea that all data is fundamentally evidence if you look at it from an HR point of view. And this includes the JPEGs of the company Picnic, to the medical transaction records that you may have in-house. And so there's, there's a very large question about what to do and how to think about all of the data inside of HR and what it means. The other thing that we do at HR Examiner is we provide strategic consulting services to people inside of the industry. So we help with things like strategy and positioning, and we're mostly dealing with vendors and solution providers who have a real glimpse of the future rather than people who are engaged in current transactional operations. So you can find all of this stuff at hrexaminer.com, and um, I'm happy to talk to you if you want to talk more about it.
0: That's wonderful. So spell it out for us because some people may think to put an E in or not put an E in. Is it H-R-X?
1: H-R-E-X-A-M-I-N-E-R, H-R-Examiner.
0: Examiner, just like it sounds. Well, perfect. John, I know that you get to travel quite a bit, and I put get to. In front of that, because some people like to say, I have to travel. But you get to travel quite a bit to visit clients and attend the various conferences in the HR industry. Why is it important for you to be at those places, whether it's visiting a client or at a conference?
1: Well, because I'm interested in the edge of HR, where it's evolving, The only way to see that in the wild is to go out and see it in the wild. And for me, the best leads that I can find to interesting new things happen in these very public places. I go to a variety of kinds of events. I go to sort of observable trade shows and conferences. I go to very small scale intimate things. I go to user conferences and I go to analyst confabs that some solution providers throw. And so what I'm doing in all of those places is collecting information because I believe that the world is changing pretty rapidly and that it's my job on some level to give people some ways to grapple with the way the world is changing.
0: Oh, it is indeed changing and how we talk, how we communicate personally is changing. So of course, how we do that in business will change as well. I know that you were just at the HR Tech Conference and Exhibition in Las Vegas, and you were there conducting a great many tech briefings. I was hoping to have audience with the great John Sumser, but you were too busy for me, which I'm glad I get to speak with you now. But when you reflect on your time in Las Vegas at HR Tech, did you see or hear anything that really piqued your interest that you thought, wow, this is exciting, I can't wait to learn more?
1: There are a couple of glimmers of things, but my view is that the really exciting stuff, people don't see that they're participating in the really exciting stuff. So on the surface, when you talk to one vendor versus another vendor in the HR space, and I talk to about 50 of them for a half hour each, sure. uh, when you talk to them individually individually, it's quite difficult to see what's different about them. Right, right. Uh, You know, and I do it for a living and I have a hard time seeing what's (laughs) different about them. I don't know how practitioners who have to make purchasing decisions do it because the companies themselves are not that great at talking about what they're doing, right? They try, but when you run, all of these companies are essentially software companies. When you run a software company, generally the development process is several... Laps ahead of the communication to the market. That's right. That's right. And the people in the marketing and communications universe have to be very, very disciplined to stay on top of the product. And what happens as things evolve is what the product actually is changes. And it's very, very difficult. It's one of the most difficult jobs I know of is being the marketing department in one of these companies. (laughs) Because you're always kind of guessing whether or not you know what's actually going on. It's um, a constant
0: or, battle to learn. <laughs> it's it's yeah, always, yeah. And, You have to be and, consistently learning, always.
1: And so for some people, that's an extraordinary, interesting challenge. And for other people, right? there are people who are great at marketing, and there are people who are great at HR, and there are very, very few who are great at both. And the people who are great at marketing... Don't really have the time for the nuance that makes HR what it is, right? And the people who are really great at HR really hate to see the people reduced to transactional elements. So tactics like content marketing, email-based content marketing, and drip marketing, which are great in the marketing set, are the anathema to. Um, well, that's why
0: I hate it because like, I, know. you know, I have this whole you know HR practitioner side of me that just, I just abhor it when I see email marketing uh, drop in and over and over and over and and this consistent messaging that has nothing to do with me. But I'm part of a quota that some marketer has to fill, right? They have to get it out there.
1: I think that people in marketing are not held accountable for the damage that they do. So I think of contemporary marketing as being very much like strip mining in West Virginia. (laughs) and perfect. <laughs> and, that, and that what you do is you send out a hundred pieces of email in order to get two or three responses. Uh, that's right. And when you send out hundred pieces of email to get two or three responses, those responses are great. But the ninety-seven people whose day you interrupted are collateral damage to your business and to your brand. Your brand is tied to that damage.
0: Right? It, yeah. It's in, intrinsically tied to that damage. And so how yes. do you how do you get past that?
1: Because it it says to the recipient Our company is the kind of company that doesn't mind wasting your time. Right.
0: Oh, so important. I love hearing you say that. So before we cut to a break, I want to ask you about human resources today. So we've touched on marketing to the HR department, to the HR professional. What do you think is the most pressing issue for an HR practitioner today?
1: Well, we're at an inflection point, and it's like the inflection point when people stopped working on the farms and started to go to work on the factory. Hmm. On a farm, you don't have a corporation. In the factory, you have a corporation in your life. In today's world, people are moving from the corporate farm to the information factory or something like that. Right, right. That's that's a little sloppy, but that's sort of what's happening. And in the world of the corporate factory, things are different. Policies and procedures that are rigorous and arbitrary are exactly what you need to build a railroad or to build repetitive models of cars or vacuum cleaners or even hamburgers in a fast food place. And so so industrial stuff is is everywhere. And a lot of how we think about what work is and who workers are and what the social contract is, is caught up in this idea of a company that lasts forever making stuff. Today it's more likely that you find companies that are interesting alternatives that look more like ecosystems. And so, so for HR people, the challenge is, is multiple. First, you have to get really good at data because we're moving into a data world. And second, you have to understand the difference between the corporate environment you're in right now and the ecosystem that's growing up around you. And in an ecosystem... One is concerned as much with the externalities as the internalities. And traditionally, HR, with the exception of recruiting, has been focused exclusively on internal stuff. So you get the, it's its like a perfect storm. You've got this movement towards an external focus. You've got this influx of data, and you've got the changing social contract. <laughs> yeah, right. And I don't... I don't know, unless you bury your head in the sand, I don't know what a great way is to cope with that.
0: Well, we're going to take a quick break, John, but when I come back, I want to talk to you about some of those continuing trends. You mentioned data, so we'll touch on that a bit, but we're going to pause for a quick break and a message from our sponsor. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software. By HR, for HR. And we're back on HR Latte with John Semser, my guest today, John, before the break, we talked a little bit about those pressing issues that face HR today. I want to hit a trend. Big data, employee engagement, employer branding, these are all things that we've been talking about for the last couple of years. Engagement seems to be the hot one in 2015. Do you have anything new to add to those? Are you seeing these trends just to continue to swirl? Are we actually solving some issues that go along with these trends? Are we understanding that data is not just data, it's actually underlying and requires a great deal of analysis in order for it to be something that's real and true and valuable to an organization? Anything new out there?
1: There's a couple of things. But it would be my view that we are reaching the peak of the engagement frenzy and that it's a short-term idea. And it's largely a short-term idea because nobody ever bothered to define what engagement means. So you say engagement, I say engagement, and it's unlikely that we're talking about right. the same thing, right. right. And so that isn't going to last. And what people are finding out is when they go after their employees and they ask their employees what's wrong, what do you like, what's right, what do you want? When they come back and say, well, we want a Coke machine in every cubicle, nobody's prepared to do something about it. Right? So the engagement survey has become largely a demotivator in most organizations because while people are equipped to ask the question, they are very, very often not able to deal with the feedback that they get. Well,
0: it would uh, be interesting. I- I'm... Interested to see if we're still talking as much about employee engagement or if we've shifted the focus of what that actually means, as you suggested, and maybe a clearer understanding of what it means. It means something completely different to the employee as opposed to the employer, right?
1: So let me tell you two stories. Story one is I went to a conference thrown by a, to be named later, um, (laughs) provider of, I don't know, I call them thank you companies. They're motivation-oriented companies that provide feedback solutions that mostly allow you to say nice things to other people in the company.
0: Okay.
1: And this was amazing. There are 500 people at this conference. And the staff, it was like they all had a case of Red Bull. (laughs)
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) <laughs> they were just wired up and on fire. You know, oh, man. wow, look at this. And they were big smiles and everything was over the top and how wonderful and thank you, thank you, thank you. And they talked over the course of the conference of the power of creating systems that cause people to say thank you to each other because it creates the same effect as a case of Red Bull. And so you go from having a sort of kind of a blah world into a world where everybody's eyes are open wide and the toothy smiles are out and the breathy thank yous are everywhere and everything's wonderful. And it's kind of cool to live in that environment until you burn out <laughs> because, right. because nobody can sustain that level of metabolism for any length of time. And so they didn't really have good answers for that question, which is why I'm not going to say who they were, uh-huh. <laughs> but there's that idea out there. And if you've got a high turnover call center environment with, you know, 400% attrition every year, it's probably great to run it on the back of of a lot of thank yous and a lot of energy being dumped into the system with self reinforcing positive feedback because the people are going to burn out anyway and go. If you've got a company that you want to have, you know, 50 years worth of company with and you want to keep people and help them learn and help them grow and develop, if you ramp them up like that, your attrition rate will kill your long-term goal. So there is some really interesting line where you have too much engagement or too much enthusiasm in the workplace and it starts to erode the long-term value of the company. Another thing to think about is, as I've been starting to hear stories of companies that are focused on expanding and measuring motivation, and it seems to me that motivation is, is the real thing that we're interested in, right? Not so much, are the employees, good employees, happy and committed to doing the job, but what the hell are they actually doing and can they do more is a kind of a better question. And how does it feel to them when they're doing it? And in that universe, I've heard this really interesting story about cobras. So cobras in Bombay... In the mid-19th century, there was a massive problem with too many cobras. Right. And so the government of Bombay issued a bounty for cobras. (laughs) You get $5. You bring in a dead cobra, you get $5. And the program was a roaring success. They found so many cobras. They found way more cobras than they thought they were. And they were really excited about the success. So they went out to investigate and found out that farming cobras was very lucrative and that the bounty had caused cobra farms to
0: ramp <laughs> <over> the
1: city. <laughs> and then, so then they said, well, geez, that's not working. Let's stop paying for the cobras. So they dropped the price of cobras to zero. And all of the cobra farmers went out of business and released their cobras. So the result of the bounty on cobras was that the city was flooded with cobras <laughs> instead of wow. making it go away. And the point of that is the structure of incentive systems matters. Right. The structure of motivational systems matters because you want to figure out how to get your company aligned in a way that causes the best possible outcomes. And the Cobra story illustrates just exactly how hard it is to get that right.
0: That's a great story and a great analogy for exactly what we're talking about. Are you seeing, now I know you have an opportunity to go and visit with executive leadership teams. Are you seeing any kind of disconnect? Because I've heard from other people that there's still this disconnect between leadership and employees. Or is that gap starting to close? Or is it a myth that it's starting to close?
1: Well, so complicated question, complicated answer. First of all, if there isn't a gap between leadership and the workforce, there's something wrong because some people are the leadership and some people aren't. Yeah, there
0: has to right, be right, this designation, right.
1: right? Right, right. And so there's going to be a gap. There's going to be a gap. And if, th- if that's bothersome, I don't know what you do. Even in the most radically distributed network-based organizations like Deloitte or something, the fact that there is a hierarchy is still there. And so hierarchy implies distance. So that's the first thing. Now, there's a a separate dynamic that that we've done some actual study of, and that is buyers of software are often at odds with the users of software. And so there's there's a particular gap between the people who make the purchasing decision and the people who actually have to use it. Right. And the people who actually have to use it are generally more aligned with the management in the organization than the buyers are. Makes sense. And that's very interesting. So you get, you get these really interesting examples, like predictive analytics is something that a lot of um, solution providers are selling these days. There are no practitioners who want predictive analytics because predictive analytics doesn't work at the practitioner level. Predictive analytics works if you've got a company of 2,000 people and you've got more than three levels of management. Predictive analytics is a really good tool for the third level of management and up. Right. It, right. The, the saying that I like a lot is that no predictive analytics are going to tell you when your plane is going to be late.
0: No, that's true.
1: <laughs> right. Well, if it doesn't tell you when your plane is going to be late, who cares? Right unless you are above the fray in an organization so much that you don't care about people and all you're managing is probabilities. And then it makes some sense, but you can't predict when the plane is going to be late. So that feature, predictive analytics, is something that's interesting to buyers who are almost uniformly at the third level of management. It is not interesting to practitioners and therefore not particularly interesting to
0: as I knew it happen, John, we are almost out of time. But before I let you get away, I would love to ask if you have any um, words of wisdom or, or maybe something that you saw that was really great in 2015 that you could share with us as we wind down this last quarter of the year.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I came to terms with this year, you know, it's, it's very interesting to wish that HR and recruiting evolved like a flower opens up. And there was some (laughs) predictability to how the function would grow and develop in your company. And what I've learned is that HR always grows and develops in response to the latest crisis, or as I like to say, the next thing that you automate is the last thing you got sued for. So when you go look at an individual company's HR project, what you're really seeing is a sort of an anthropology of the crises the company has been through and the things that are automated. Because every we looked really hard to see if there was a standard set of applications that every company needed, and the answer is no, there isn't. There is the set of applications that you need to do your job in your company, and what you care about as a company is going to matter It's going to matter more along the lines of what has caused you trouble and value than anything that has to do with the fundamentals of HR.
0: Well, with that, we will wrap up this edition of HR Latte and continuing series, HR Tech Now. John, where can our listeners learn more about you and HR Examiner and how can they reach you?
1: So best bet is to go to hrexaminer.com. You'll find lots of interesting, meaty stuff. And if you want to get me directly, I am John at johnsumser.com. That's J-O-H-N-S-U-M-S-E-R.com. And if you're you are um, ready for microbyte-sized bits of information, try Twitter, and I am at John Sumser on Twitter.
0: Perfect. Thanks, John. That wraps up this edition of HR Latte. Tune in next time when we will continue our discussion about HR tech now.